Hello, and thanks for streaming The Near Futurist, a show presented by me, Guy Clapperton. Now, since the last episode went out, this podcast has reached its second birthday. I put three episodes out on the 28th of October 2018, and I'm happy to say it's now reaching up to 5,000 listeners per month. If you've been with me for a while, then thank you for your support. If you're brand new to the show, welcome. Actually, if you're in the middle, welcome as well. And what better way to start than a bit of a first, a returning guest? She's a global cybersecurity expert and has a background leading growth strategies and large-scale digital transformations for Fortune 500 customers at IBM, Siemens, and is now co-founder of Clarity, which develops modern cyber defense software for OT networks. She's Galina Antova. Thank you very much for coming and welcome back. Thank you, Guy. Happy to be back. Excellent. Well, we last spoke about a year ago. Uh, it's been quiet then, nothing happening much. But, but seriously, <laughs> what effect has COVID-19 had on the way a business like yours works? It's been quite a journey. So my business serves other large infrastructure businesses. So as you can imagine, a lot of the activities like proof of concept, you know, engaging with customers, all of that was done face to face. So all of a sudden in March, that had to change. To be honest, in the first few weeks since the COVID crisis, it was quite scary. We just didn't know if customers and the world in general will be able to adapt fast enough to the new reality, to the new way of doing business. So for a few weeks, everything seemed to come to a stop when it comes to how customers engage and and how they think about um, their infrastructure. Now that changed fairly quickly, I would say, and I was actually very positively surprised because for a large organization of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people to be able to change how they work was quite impressive. And we saw so many examples of that. So by April, by the end of April, lots of enterprises had already figured out how to engage their digital transformation projects in a remote way. Um, obviously, most of their workforce was working remotely. We deal with a lot of manufacturing companies, a lot of companies that until recently was required for you to be on site to maintain those processes. And so they had to find creative ways and also secure ways to continue their operations. Um, so after a few weeks of that temporary stop, organizations, most organizations found a way of getting back to work in a completely new reality, working remotely. So it has been quite a journey and, and quite a transformational one. Now, we spoke a lot about security and the infrastructure last time, particularly about infrastructure matters, as that is your specialism, as you say. It seems to me that infrastructures overall, whether it's public internet, whether it's uh, private networks, seem to have held up pretty well during COVID-19, when they must have been pretty much stressed and maxed out. How does it look from your side? Most of it, yes. And it's actually, it was quite a positive surprise, right? <laughs> if you think about just the the amount of transactions and everyone working from home and just the stress on networks, on, on the different, the changes in the different processes, I consider it a small miracle that businesses actually got back to working in a working actually period in such a short period of time. Now, when it comes to the physical infrastructure, of things, again, like manufacturing companies, a lot had to change in their processes. So, for example, now they had to figure out a way of how to run some of those processes remotely, do maintenance remotely. And that required quite a lot of changes in terms of their underlying infrastructure. And, of course, all of that was related to security. Uh, But, again, in most of those instances, 
instances, we saw quite a fast turnaround of just new processes being put in place and a new way of connectivity being established and just people going back to productivity, but in a completely new way. And really, I think one group of people that really deserves a lot of recognition during that period of time are the security teams in large organizations, right? Because I saw firsthand that they're really working around the clock to make this happen. It is not easy to build infrastructure on the fly, especially with proper security in place. So we saw some pretty miraculous examples of infrastructure just, you know, being deployed and working. Of course, that required quite a lot of changes and quite a lot of mindset changes. And we can talk more about that, but it was quite a transformational journey. Okay, you've uh, used the phrase twice. You said it was uh, miraculous that uh, these things uh, kept going. I prefer to think of it as damned hard work, and I give for people the same credit, I'm sure, that you do for keeping it running. You're a specialist in digital transformations, and of course now everybody is having to run a digital first strategy, even if they thought they were before, or some people may not have started it before, but suddenly they're all forced into digital first. I'm just wondering how that's worked, whether people have found it a painful process. Well, you're absolutely right. (laughs) A lot of people found it to be a painful process because in many cases, the foundation has not been laid out for for those processes. You know, digital transformation or digital first strategy was one of those buzzwords that have been very popular in the last couple of years. But the COVID crisis truly showed who has actually invested in that strategy and actually made progress towards it versus organizations that have just, you know, paid lip, lip service to it. And so I would say for organizations that have already built that foundation, right, in everything from like the smallest instances of virtual meetings, you know, deploying Zoom or other type of technologies to really the hardcore project of, for example, how do you run a manufacturing production line remotely? If you have done the investment in that, it paid off because organizations were really able to switch quite fast to digital mode, to remote mode, Um, whereas others where it has been more of a, well, you know, let's just have a project and talk about it versus implementing anything. That was a painful process because they actually had to stop operations for, you know, a number of weeks until they could deploy new infrastructure to help them with that. So I would say the COVID crisis was a very clarifying process for organizations and especially for their leadership and for their board of directors to see where does the organization actually stand with digitalization and digital first strategies. Have enough businesses and other bodies like governments mastered it, do you think? Again, I saw, I'm not going to say miraculous, but I saw some quite fast turnarounds in terms of like deploying new infrastructure, etc. So I think One of the findings of the crisis is that it it really highlighted and it really showed the benefits of what digital transformation means. Um, And it was really interesting because it, it actually made its way all the way up to the board of directors, right? And at the end of the day, it affected bottom line, right? So at the end of the day, it's all about cost savings. If you were able to continue your operations uninterrupted, if you were able to continue keeping up the productivity where it was, 
that it all came down to like, how are you doing versus your competitors, right? And where do you stand with that digital transformation project and, and journey? And so I saw um, a lot of companies actually mastering it during the last few months that we've been going through the COVID crisis. But I think more importantly, executives in the companies and board of directors had a very good understanding, have now a very good understanding of how that actually transforms the business. And going forward, every business, every company will be a technology company. So the infrastructure that you build and especially the security that you build in the organization in, in, and in the infrastructure will really be something that pays off going forward. So we can think of security and all the digital transformation projects as actually enabling business going forward rather than an inconvenience that we have to go through just because it's the buzzword of the day. I think I might put it even stronger and suggest that in many cases, it's a matter of survival at the moment, of business survival as an entity. You've got to be digital because you cannot do those face-to-face -face meetings exactly as you described earlier in the meeting, whether it's proof of concept, whether it's whatever you want to do. You have to be able to communicate electronically. I'm just wondering, yeah. as, a, as a practitioner, whether you um, have detected any difference in mindset between entities, whether public sector or private sector, that are pushed into digital trans transformation by these sudden circumstances, and the people who had planned it methodically. Is there a mindset issue? Or is it, am I barking completely up the wrong tree? Is there, uh, uh, is there any pattern to emerge? Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to the mindset, right? And to the attitude that people have. Look, it's not an easy way, um, especially for some of the more of the core digital transformation projects. It is really not easy to implement those because that means in the short term disruption to the way you're currently doing business, right? So a lot of times in the past where I saw friction is between, for example, the CIO office or the CISO office or the chief digital office um, where those projects are kind of conceived and then the rest of the business that actually is running, right? And they have to adapt to those new processes. So that friction actually during the COVID crisis became an enabler because you couldn't do business in the old way. So now you have to collaborate with the rest of the organization to actually deploy new infrastructure, deploy it on the fly, make sure that it works securely. And we got an opportunity to very quickly iterate through the deployments and through the process. And so if there were any kinks in the process, we were able to identify those pretty quickly, adjust, adapt, run the process again, and make sure that it works. So even though short-term, it was not a pleasant experience, I think from a mindset perspective, it showed us that it's possible, right? And so again, organizations that were better prepared getting into the, the crisis were the ones that had the ability to kind of disrupt themselves and take the pain as they were going forward. But COVID was in many ways an equalizer when it comes to the mindset and when it comes to showing the potential uh, benefits of digitalization because it showed everyone that it's possible. If people had no choice, so they had to adapt. And so going forward, I think that mindset the change in the mindset is really one of the silver linings of the crisis because we can clearly see the benefits now. And to your point, it's a matter of survival. If all of your competitors are going through those processes and are you know, ready, not just for the next crisis, but actually being able to optimize and run their businesses better, 
at the end of the day, it comes down to the bottom line, right? It comes down to cost advantages. It comes down to being more efficient and more productive. And this is exactly what digital transformation gives us. And the mindset change of seeing it in action, seeing it that it's possible rather than, you know, just sitting in meeting after meeting and discussing it as a possibility was quite powerful. Do you want to sound as confident as my interviewee in this episode? If you talk to the press or other media, are you worried you'll be misquoted, or they'll just publish their story and not yours? Clapperton Media Associates can help with coaching. Drop me a note, guy at clapperton.co.uk, and we'll arrange a time for an exploratory call. Now, back to the podcast. You've touched on my next question almost unintentionally there. I was going to ask, uh, you know, let's say you're in a business and you're in one of those which have perhaps a year from now has just about limped through the COVID crisis. And let's hope to goodness we are through it a, a year from now or we're accustomed to it. We've made whatever accommodations we have to make. How much danger are you in if you wait until the next big event pushes you into digitalization? Because as you say, COVID has forced the issue. Yeah, I really, it's a matter of survival, even without a crisis, because again, the rest of your competitors are modernizing their infrastructure, they're pushing forward, they're just becoming a more efficient infrastructure. Um, And I think also in terms of when you talk about efficiency and productivity, it's not only for the sake of the business, it also comes with a lot of advantages for um, the employees, for the customers, right? Because now we're enabled to do business from anywhere and just that allows for a lot more flexibility into our own schedules as well. So again, one, once the industry has seen an opening of how to be more efficient, more productive and more cost effective, you can imagine that there'll be a lot of pressure now from the board of directors for those type of digital transformation projects. And we're absolutely seeing that. You know, I work with a lot of CIOs and CISOs on those types of projects. And a couple of years ago, you really had to like make a case for it. You know, this is what you get out of it. And it was discussion after discussion. I don't think that we have that problem anymore. Um, Again, the executives of the companies, the decision makers are really seeing the benefits of that. So it is absolutely not about waiting for the next crisis. It is leveraging the lessons learned, what we saw, what this crisis taught us. And and again, most importantly, the mindset change, because really the only thing that changed during the crisis were the constraints. We had no choice, so we had to do it. It's not that somehow miraculously there was new technology or there was new security paradigms invented. All of that existed. The technology existed. Um, The security methodology existed. The ways of implementing those new digital uh, projects existed. It was just as humans, our mindset of how fast we think we can go, how much we think that we can, quote unquote, disrupt the existing processes in the business. And we just saw that it's possible. So now companies are going to be running as fast as they can and accelerating those projects because that becomes a competitive advantage. And so for the ones that are just waiting for the next crisis, they probably won't survive um, um, that crisis. I mean, they they won't survive even even getting to that crisis. So absolutely, it's becoming um, a competitive advantage to have those digital projects implemented as soon as possible. That makes a great deal of sense. So if if you're one of these organizations which is waking up or has been forced to wake up to uh, what it's got to do, what should organizations do, whether they're chief information officers, chief security officers, as you say, what should they be asking companies such as yours when they move towards a digital culture? One of the 
themes of the transformation has been to build for resiliency, right? And what does that mean is it means a few different things. So first of all, ensure that the infrastructure, first and foremost, reduces complexity, right? In the past, we've had that tendency of just building solution on top of another solution to compensate for the shortcomings in the previous process. It's very rare that we've kind of thought through the whole process holistically. Now, especially in critical infrastructure, manufacturing, et cetera, it is really hard to do that effectively because you're dealing with you're dealing with a lot of legacy infrastructure, right? That is like 25, 35, 40 years old. And so this technology has advanced so much in that time frame that it is impossible to layer technology on top of technology because you have significant gaps, not only in security, but also in the efficiency of that tech, of that infrastructure. So one of the key ways in which we can help shape that process going forward is just to think about how can we reduce the complexity, right? Rethink the process end to end and see where you can eliminate some of that complexity and some of that legacy equipment and some of that legacy processes and introduce new, simpler ways of doing things because the current technology, the current state of the technology allows us to do that. So that's one way in which we build for resiliency. The second one is specifically related to security. Security needs to be absolutely a key requirement and baked into every single new process that we introduce. Again, very challenging topic for critical infrastructure companies that in the past used to deal with that trade-off of, well, I run something, you know, off the grid, it is completely isolated. But if it is completely isolated, I cannot have, for example, connectivity to the cloud. I cannot take advantage of things like data analytics. So now as we're changing, we're going through this change of paradigms, we can build the new infrastructure with security in mind so we don't have to think about that trade-off, right? We can have connectivity to the cloud infrastructure that's done in a secure way. So we could have the data analytics, et cetera, et cetera, all the benefits that come from modern infrastructure, but we don't have to compromise the security. So just baking security into every single process that we that we're implementing. Um, and those two things combined, reducing complexity and thinking of security as a core requirement, this is how you build resiliency into your processes. So it's not that you're only better prepared for the next crisis, but you're actually better optimized to run the business. And all of that, of course, comes with cost advantages associated with it. And this is where you really get the rest of the organization to listen to your projects and to help you implement them um, because cost reductions and optimization of productivity speaks to the business level and speaks to everyone. That makes an awful lot of sense. So final question as always is, where can people find out more about you and your organization? You can always find us on Twitter at Galina and Tova and at Clarity. And you can follow me on the various other social medias and the publications where we write about digital transformation and how we secure the critical infrastructure of the world. That's excellent. Galina Antova, co-founder of Clarity, which has an O rather than an I in the middle if you're looking for it online. Thank you very much for joining me again. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And many thanks to you for listening. That was the second anniversary episode of the Near Futurist podcast with me, Guy Clapperton. Don't forget to have a look at the website at www.nearfuturist.co.uk or my media training site at remotemediatraining.com. I'll be back as always in two weeks' time. Stay safe.